Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, how much of a bite will Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom make at the domestic box office? Why no one should ever count out Disney and are theaters really trying to match up to movie pass? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Welcome back, everyone. It's another edition of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, and the legend from Humanic Media. You got to check out all the great stuff that's going down there today, including all the videos that he's put up on their Humanic Media YouTube site from E3 2018, his podcast, and so much more. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on? We're just packing it in here for another great episode. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today, but we'll get into it right now first with all the talk when it comes to Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, my friend. It's already garnered over $400 million worldwide. It got released about two weeks ago and has been slowly going through every territory right now around the world. It's garnered, like I said, over $400 million and it's about ready to strike out and attack the domestic box office here. What are your thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? It's got some fairly good reviews so far, some strong, some not so strong, but for the most part, it's near the level of what the critical acclaim was for what the previous movie, which was the reboot Jurassic World that came in for it. Your thoughts on the movie itself and just how well will Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom perform at the box office? I think it's going to perform really well. You've been to Target lately? Well, I've been all over and I've seen that Jurassic Park and Jurassic World items are selling like hotcakes. Of course, I see a lot of clothing, a lot of tie-ins. I actually see more of that than I do at this point in time than I did when Avengers Infinity War came out. And that was something I told you about that I was kind of disturbed by, that there wasn't a lot of stuff that was made that was presented for a movie that ultimately garnered over two billion dollars right right well jurassic world has on its side the the fact that there's there are two theme parks with entire areas devoted to jurassic park so you have people going there and naturally they're going to be getting stoked about the movie or you have people down here who are going to watch the movie and then go spend money on the merch so they're definitely universal is definitely very very good at marketing things they did a good job of taking jurassic park and marketing to a new generation with jurassic world it was a good movie but it wasn't just a movie that was fun for kids to watch it was fun for adults to watch as well because they you know you have a star like chris pratt uh, bryce dallas howard it's done a, a great job like jurassic park after jurassic park 3 like the whole franchise is kind of in the ditch and then they did a good job of bringing it back to life and i think uh what right now domestically not domestic but foreign has 372 million somewhere around there 
Like I said, when it hits theaters, it should be at four. Uh, they don't update the foreign box office on a daily basis. The last report of three hundred seventy million plus was, I think, earlier in the week. But you got to assume it's over four hundred at this point in time worldwide, and that's off to a great start. I I am kind of uh, a little bit different on your opinion on if it's great for kids. It's kind of scary at point in times. I've told you in the past that I thought it really accentuated Steven Spielberg's love for the horror genre because he always loves to sneak in on many of his films, very scary things that only he can get away with because he's Steven Spielberg and seems to still keep that PG-13 rating. I think that Jurassic World and now Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom has followed suit and especially with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom from what I've seen in the trailers and also read in the reviews and whatnot, that it's really harkened back to that original Jurassic Park when it comes to the anticipation, the suspense, and, well, in many ways, the horror aspect of the actual dinosaurs attacking, eating, and basically scaring people up to in order to have a good time. So, is it for, for kids? And I don't know. It's borderline, may maybe intense, but we, it's already out in, in as far as the original Jurassic World, already out on cable television. So maybe it's it, it's acceptable at this point in time for a generation now. I know you were probably watch it when you were probably about six or seven because you know you were just all hyped up for that type of stuff. So man, yeah. Maybe I'm just coming out of diapers for all I know. You know, it's hit me with uh, that scary stuff. So Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is a really big success so far. It is obviously playing to a lot of people out there, both kids and adults alike. I don't want to go all overprotective parent here because, yes, there is going to be some scary parts in it. Maybe some stuff that might be a little bit intense for audiences. But, hey, that's just up. Jurassic World's alley as far as what they're going for and people are willing to brave it and actually this is something that a lot of people were hoping for a nice follow-up to Jurassic World which garnered 1.6 billion dollars if I'm not mistaken I'll check that just to make sure but your thoughts on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom's future do you think it will also hit a billion dollars? It looks like it's trending that way, but you never know when it comes to the box office and what the following weeks have in mind. Yeah, let me rephrase that. It's not a kid's movie, but it's a movie that kids go to see. It's something parents always take their kids and they market to kids especially. Like you go into Target, they got the big old tyrannosaurus rex on the toy aisle the cardboard cutout and all or the that. the boys and the girls shirts and all that they're that are have the dinosaurs on it and whatnot because kids love dinosaurs so i agree with you on that it may not be a kids movie but it's definitely marketed to such yeah for the i can't speak much for the movie because i haven't seen it yet i got my tickets for monday but you know with numbers like this of course there's always going to be a future for jurassic park because people they're obviously going to see it and it's garnering decent reception literally i think until the fans say something like don't make any more of these movies that's probably when they'll stop making them but it's exciting to have jeff goldblum back and it would be even better if we could get a jurassic park movie where Jeff Goldblum and um, Dr. Grant and Sadler are all back on the island, not an island, but, you know, in some kind of situation where they're running from dinosaurs just to give us old old time fans just that one last taste of nostalgia before you move this completely out of our generation. They're all still active in the acting world, so they can all do it if they want, but we'll have to. We'll have to clamor more and sign petitions and get on social media for that. But that would be kind of cool just to see that happen. I agree with you on that. And yes, the movie did garner over 1.6, almost $1.7 billion Jurassic World did at the worldwide box office. So something anywhere near that is just going to be a big win for Universal and the way that they have gone about and promoting this movie. And yes, I too, earlier this year, actually on more than one occasion, have taken a ride on the Jurassic Park water ride. I think it's really fun. I think you should try it because it's really cool. But be that as it may, you're right. The hype is there. They've done a very good job promoting the movie. I thought it was a, a pretty good trailer as well, backing that up. I think they've done a good job with the series, spacing it out, 
not crowding it too much and not overflowing it with it's the same way that they've they've done with maybe star wars movies and transformer movies of recent past as far as too much out too soon i think they've spaced it out very well as far as from the first jurassic world movie to what we have now and whatever they have planned for a third movie which i think they will do if you want to check out one of our previous episodes on the pop culture cosmos channel there was a segment where Rob and I did discuss at length the prospects long-term for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I did say that it was going to find more success than what Rob did. I, I don't think Rob had it going over a billion dollars. I thought I said it did. I said it would go over a billion dollars. It's well on its way to doing so. It won't be over half a billion dollars by the end of the weekend. That's pretty much guaranteed. So all it has to do for you know the rest of the entirety is just do another five hundred million, which I think it can do. And I think it'll probably end up maybe the one point one, one point two billion dollar type scenario, which is a big win again for Universal. I want to ask you this: with that type of success that people are looking forward to when it comes to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, do you see the next in line being the completion of a trilogy or do you see it as just another stepping stone to a continuous series of Jurassic World films where maybe it will get played out at some future point in time? Yeah, it'll be Jurassic World trilogy. Yeah, it'll be like the the reboot trilogy. But I think more like if if they make a third one, it does well. It'll probably end up being a close to a story arc instead of a the close to the series. Do you see it getting played out like Transformers? Because uh, I I see it going three. But if they really like the money, there could be a continuous future for the Jurassic World series. Oh, and they do really like the money, and Jurassic World brings in the money. And like I said, you know, they got the theme park attractions, they got the toys and all that stuff. Maybe they'll wait a bit before they put some more out so people don't get burnt out on them. But they're just genuinely fun movies, you know, and there's no, like, mythology you got to hold to. You don't have angry fans on the internet tweeting racist things and stuff like that. It's just, it's a good time. You go to the movies, you see the dinosaurs, you'll watch it on Blu-ray. It's equally exciting. You know, they don't they don't have the the downfalls of a lot of these big franchises but if the money's good they're gonna keep making them that's just how hollywood works yeah we'll see man the third one i'm sure it'll close some kind of story arc and maybe later on we'll get some kind of new characters or whatever but yeah i think for now jurassic world is here to stay and that's great for any of the dinosaur loving fans that are out there that love the jurassic park series and now the jurassic world series and I just see right now, like you said, a successful run for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. The reviews are strong enough that it's going to get by on a decent word of mouth. But like I said before, it's not exactly for everyone. There is going to be some intense scenes. That's the idea and nature behind the Jurassic Park and now the Jurassic World series. So be warned, parents out there just to make sure that they know that their kids are before they go into the theater, know that, Hey, they're going to be hit hard with some dinosaurs are looking to eat some, some human beings for lunch, dinner, and maybe an after dinner mint as well. What are your thoughts on Jurassic world fallen kingdom? Do you think that it's going to be a big hit at the box office? Do you think it's going to go over a billion dollars worldwide? Do you think it's going to be something that's going to keep the Jurassic World momentum train going and, and just still lead into a third or even more as far as a series of films in the Jurassic World saga? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we've got a great episode Rob McCallum is coming up in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be talking some Lando Calrissian. It's going to be an inspiring segment. I'll just let you in on that. Plus, also as well, later in the broadcast, we've got Douglas Hoyobu from Retro City Games. He's going to be talking about what he experienced at E3, including a little inside talk on a secret game Gearbox is developing at this point in time, a special project called Project 1v1. 
He's going to share his thoughts on that. Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, and so much more. And then Josh and I are going to be coming in and out here and there and, and sharing our thoughts on, you know, you just can never count out Disney because they raised the stakes in their battle with Comcast over the Fox properties. We're going to talk about that. And what has MoviePass done as far as the movie industry is concerned? The imprint is there. The success is there. And who's trying to follow in their footsteps as a viable alternative? We're going to shout out some contenders here in a little bit as we close out the show. But we've got, like I said, Rob McCallum coming up next in the Cosmic Crossfire. This is the PCC Multiverse. Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the traveling man today. It is my good friend from Raw McCallum Films. You got to check out all the great things that are going on with his awesome experience known as Raw McCallum Films with Box Art, the Kitty documentary, the He-Man documentary, Power of Skull coming up, and so much more by checking out today at robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. It's my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. Busy man. Busy man. Busy day today, my friend. Uh, a lot going on, but uh, that is just another day, I suppose, in life. It just depends on where the busyness is coming from. We are getting set to move, and it goes on when you move from place to place, and we got moving from a house to another house. So lots of packing, lots of paperwork. It's happening, but there's always time for the crossfire, I hope. Anyways, well, this is, what, the third time you've had to pack in less than, what, uh, eight months? That's ridiculous. Let's just say that. It's ridiculous. It is. You can't keep the spirit down, right? No, nor the cinder blocks, if you know Rob McCallum. But, Your hands uh, haven't run the stairs. No, they, they haven't. And, and I think I still will be traumatized for the rest of time for that. There's only but, one word that describes that. Wicked. Wicked indeed. Wicked indeed. <laughs> but we're here to talk today about pop culture. And I know you're extremely busy. And we truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. But pray tell, Rob. What's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? Star Wars is always a staple, a pillar, an anchor on the Cosmic Crossfire. Today, a new rumor has hit the web that says Lando is set to appear in Episode 9. They've been making waves about who could be making a cameo in, in Episode 9 in the same way that people may not have expected Yoda in Episode 8. So now they're saying Lando is set to appear in Episode 9. The question to you and all our listeners is, is this good world building, bringing back characters from the original trilogy and possibly these standalone films? Or is this just another nostalgia crutch? How do you feel about Lando possibly appearing in episode nine? Well, I think it does. As Billy D. Williams, should I say, not Donald. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it does provide a goodwill statement to those who are were really turned off by The Last Jedi and, and others. But it. it oh, well, how is that goodwill? I think a lot of people are just still into the old characters and they didn't want to see them go. I will say this, as I was talking to my daughters yesterday about this at length, I think they had an opportunity to go ahead and close the chapters on the original characters in The Last Jedi and, and they chose not to do so on all accounts. 
I know I've been back and forth, I think, with you this on before in regards to Princess Leia, because they did have the opportunity, unfortunately, due to real life circumstances with her untimely death. Now they have to deal with her death in maybe a not so organic way in episode nine. You know, when it comes to Lando, he has a lot of goodwill as far as from the solo, a Star Wars story, because Donald Glover's performance is considered one of the best. I thought it was a truly great and, and inspiring performance. For inspiring? Lando. Inspiring what? To bake a loaf of bread? What are you inspired no. to do by that performance? Wow, I want to get into acting because that was good. That kind of inspiration? No, or did no, you just, just enjoy it? Don't say you're inspired by it unless you're going to act on something some sort of action that you saw because of that wow i'm going to take up sabak i was inspired to become a, a better sabak player because of donald glover well possibly that but it was an enjoyable performance it was i think the best of the actual cast that was there i thought it was just truly a really strong performance in what was a fairly good movie at best especially the you know as far as it, you saw it i'm sure correct because we never did chance get a chance to do a spoiler. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. And, okay. and I was inspired to discuss it with you, but we never oh, got around gosh. to it. You were really, yes. That was well. I've had yeah. some coffee, folks. Here we go. You were going to have to inspire Jay to come on, and that was the that was the issue. So, mm. But uh, anyways, we just couldn't match a time to do it. But now it's too late to do a spoiler cast. But anyways, I digress. I think it was a great performance by Donald Glover. It, obviously, it enhances the Lando Calrissian character. And he's always been a favorite of the Star Wars universe, and I don't see a problem with him being in Episode Nine. You see, I'm really split on this one. On the one hand, uh, going into Episode Seven and even slightly in Episode Eight, I was really of the mindset that you don't need to add new characters and worlds. You've established so much with the original trilogy, and even the prequels didn't really journey that much further with new places and characters that they were adding that were really tethered to that core group of players. Uh, that we knew from the original trilogy that have been proven that work well in a film and, and, you know, make people happy, but just is good storytelling. Now, of course, here we are, episode nine, and we're talking about bringing some of these leggy characters back. And I feel like, well, why start now? Episode nine's a little late to do some fan service. Stick within this new setup that you've got going. Stick within this new world, these new places, these new people. You don't need to necessarily go back to that in the same way that episode seven didn't even feature Luke Skywalker in the last two minutes of it. You don't necessarily need to have Lando in this one. And I worry that if you put Lando in this one, it's further going to complicate a Lando solo film down the road because I don't think you're going to do the character justice by seeing more of him. This was the problem that people had with the Han Solo film. We've already seen so much Han. Do we need an origin story for Han Solo? A lot of people think we don't. A lot of people thought it was fun regardless not sure it was is it was needed and now with rumors of a lando spinoff in that timeline i don't know that we need to see lando later it's further going to say well we know what happens to lando we don't need to see anymore it's going to well, reduce the stakes of a standalone film if, if that if it comes to that i like something that you've touched on before and that these stories the han solo story the boba fett the landos the obi-wans they might be better served on a platform such as Amazon Prime or Netflix as far as over a course of, like you had mentioned, a 10 to 12 episode arc. I would mind seeing in that realm because I would like to see, for Lando's case, I'd like to see him do that little maneuver at the Battle of Danab or in Solo where they were trying to equate it out. You could obviously tell they were trying to do something as far as equate a maybe a, even a solo mini trilogy type deal as far as uh, relate his story where he gets the cargo confiscated in the next movie by the empire and that's how he starts to get in trouble with job of the hud and all that yeah I, I i agree with you maybe these stories aren't meant best for the big screen but i still think there's a place for them in the universe but it just probably was better meant for maybe like i said a, a streaming platform that was just trying to soak in as much content as they can get i just don't know that we need to see another character from the original trilogy thrown into episode nine i was a huge fan of episode eight i think there was precedent to see some force ghosts appear later like we saw in the original trilogy i think yoda was the most organic and obvious fit to kind of put in there in hindsight i don't think lando necessarily has a place what's uncle Lando going to do for, for Kylo Ren? You know, is he going to make him remember the old days of his dad and, and turn the tide? Like, I just don't see the role of Lando impacting everything 
in a bigger way than the character already did in Return of the Jedi, but coming on as a board, uh, a board like General Calrissian did in the, in the final fight, like what's he going to do? Is it going to be a la Jeff Goldblum in the new Jurassic Park where he's just got one scene and he soaks up the stage for that one final time? I just don't see it really overall helping the story to see that familiar face. I think it's 100% fan service and not a lot of story. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It'll be great when we see it. And if it, if it turns out to be pivotal and, and key, I just think they have enough to mine and enough to resolve and enough work ahead of them without trying to get another original trilogy character in there organically and seamlessly and, and to do it well. Well, you're one of the biggest proponents of The Last Jedi. I'm not as high on it as you are, although I didn't think it was an awful movie by any stretch. But for me, Lando is one of the coolest characters in the Star Wars universe. And like you said, if it's shoehorned in there, no, it's not going to work. And people are going to just think it's another form of just force another character on us. Pardon the pun there. But I just think that J.J., does deserve some leeway in this type of situation. And since he's taken over the film and is actually obviously putting a lot into it as far as his hand in the writing and everything of that nature, I think he deserves some leeway. I think he will be able to find a way to put it in organically, to find a way to have Lando Calrissian a part of the actual film. Obviously, they're still going to focus mainly now on the new characters within the Star Wars realm, Ray, Poe, Finn, Kylo Ren. But I think at this point in time, he's the last legacy character you can really throw in their left if for people that still want to hold on to that and still may have a reason to go see the movie after all. It'll be interesting to see what they try to do and what J.J. tries to do for fan service. A lot of people harpooned him when it came to making episode seven too much like episode four for the sake of fit fan service. And it was, it was nothing original. It was just rehashed versions of, of everything we've seen before. So given that, I wonder if it's smart to put Lando in, in episode nine and if he has the leeway to do it and you can't please everybody. He's got to make the film for him first and foremost. And I don't know that including Lando is going to help his, his cause. I think it would be much cooler to make Lando's real standout appearance in his in his solo film, by solo film I mean standalone film, because we saw him how great Donald Glover's inspiring performance was in the solo film. Of course, let him be the star of, of that timeline and those films that are coming out and, and world building on that side. I think I think that's the road to go. Big Lando fan, just like you are, but I think that the peak of that character was the final battle in Return of the Jedi, and I think you could leave it at that. Well, I agree with you on the statement that. You can't Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Agree you, with me. Thank you. Well, like you've said before, you just can't please everyone. And of course, J.J. Abrams, I think, already has a knowledge that you cannot please everyone. And that includes, especially as we have seen over the past few months, Star Wars fans. That'll do for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire, Gerald. And it's been great. I tell you what, I truly want to again thank everybody on the Retro City Games Facebook page because they have been eating our podcast up like crazy, including your last full Cosmic Crossfire. We just truly appreciate them taking the time to listen to our shows. If you want to ask us any questions for the show, you can always reach us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Plus, add Rob McZomb on Twitter, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. And speaking of Rob McCallum Films, can we get an update of what's going on in your world when it comes to Rob McCallum Films? Oh, my friend, I got lots going on. I'm embarking, of course, on the two horror scripts that I told you about. I'm still working on the one before I shift my to the other. I've got a short film in the works that actually might involve some stop motion animation. That might tie into a new comic book project that I'm, I'm also kind of starting to get off the ground as a cross-promotion kind of thing. And uh, lots going on for the Nintendo Quest video game, Gamer Quest as well, and we take control of an 8-bit J trying to collect games in a sim-like reality that has you traveling from town to town, collecting these games in a universe where game collecting determines social status. Box art doing really well. We're going to be digging back into it as post audio is starting to happen with music creation and, and other sound design drops and just bring on a lot of people to be involved as uh, third party collaborators with different segments. So it is trucking along too. 
Missing Mom has done incredibly well. We hit over the 250,000 view mark on Amazon Prime in just uh, two and a half months. So Kitty Origins Evolutions continues to make its way across the globe as fans from every corner of the planet have been discovering the film and reaching out saying how much they love and how much they've been waiting for this to hear the story from Kitty's own words and not have anybody interrupted and just have the band tell their story of what's happened over their 20-year legacy career and how it's shaped everything for them and everything else afterwards. Just so much on the plate for you, man. How can you just handle it all? I'm telling you. And a family man, too. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Well, we truly appreciate you swigging back a couple of cups before you came on the show and appreciate your inspired performance right here in the Cosmic Crossfire. I'm inspired by our, our discussion today. I'm inspired to quit talking about pop culture for another week. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rob, it's always so great to have you on the show. And of course, a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or TurboGrafx today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. And we're back with the program. Just got to let you know, we're on radio seven days a week, and we truly appreciate everyone who listens to us out there. Plus, we're on over 30 different podcast platforms, including Podbean, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and so much more to check out a listing of many of those outlets, including all the radio stations that we're on. Check us out today on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page or at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. I know Google Play just started this new Google Play podcast app, so I know people are working that out. So you can find the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on there. Subscribe to it today and get the latest episodes there. Plus, also, I do want to make a shout-out to Podchaser for awarding us as a pod of the day for this past week, kind of like a spotlight on us as a podcast. So we are truly appreciative of Podchaser for doing that as well. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So what is going on in the world of Humanica Media? Check out the, we did some E3 episodes uh, and there'll be a new episode up just that in the uh, podcast radio network and which is Tuesday night. And you can check it out today on the Humanica Media channel on YouTube. And also, you've got Topicocalypse, you've got What About This, Super BS Gamescast, and Inside Sports. All those channels have great podcasts you need to listen to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and of course, Google Play as well. Josh, we got to talk about this, my friend, because the stakes have been raised. You knew they were going to do it, man. I, I didn't have any doubt. But Disney has upped their bid in the proposed purchase of the Fox properties involved, Comcast came in with a higher bid in the high 60s, I think I want to say 68, 67, 68 billion dollars. And lo and behold, only a few days later has Disney reemerged with itself a $71.3 billion offer for the Fox properties in question. So it goes to a shareholder vote. What are they going to decide? What are they going to do? So I ask you, Josh, with Disney making such a large offer, is the Fox properties worth that kind of money as far as the $71.3 billion offer from Disney at this point in time? Obviously, Disney... They're 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 after the Marvel properties. I think that's a big factor in what's leading them to put that much money down on Fox. Uh, I don't think that Fox is worth 
that much. I mean, they don't exactly, they make a lot of movies, but not a lot of very successful movies, at least not anymore. A lot of their major franchises have, have kind of fizzled out over the years, but, you know, obviously they have a plan or else they wouldn't be fighting so hard to get it because what comcast already owns universal yeah honestly like i think there's plans there's plans in motion and they want it i think a lot of those plans have to do with the the marvel properties owned by fox and because of that in order to make their marvel timeline move forward they need some of those characters and i think that's a big factor leading into them putting more money out there but let me ask you this if they didn't have those marvel properties do you think the same deal would be going down not in the least it would be nowhere near i don't even think disney would be interested as a whole and if they would they would probably lowball fox pretty harsh on that maybe to even half the amount that they're talking about right now i, I think comcast would be more interested than disney if that's the case in the fox properties i know disney is going to put up a streaming service there they bought more into hulu and all that but i think like you that the key part of this is the Marvel properties, the X-Men properties, the Fantastic Four, Deadpool, and all that, that I think they are willing to overspend for it. Do I think for what they're getting, it is worth $71.3 billion? No, I don't think that it is at this point in time. But with all that on the table, and Comcast knows this, and we talked about this similarly in my NBA podcast that I did with uh, Anthony Barber in here, that teams are, in this case, companies are willing to overpay and make that offer because they know someone else is extremely interested for various reasons. And in this case, Comcast knows that Disney wants those Marvel properties in the worst way. And if they're willing to up the stakes, you know what, by all means. And they did. And look what happened. Disney raised the stakes yet again. I'm going to ask you this and your thoughts on it. With all that's going on, do you think that the stakes are going to raise even higher and you're going to see Comcast come with a higher bid? I don't think so because Comcast has money, but they don't have Disney money. And whatever higher bid they come up with if disney's really on the path we see them on now they're not going to let comcast outbid them if anything they'll actually cause disney to pay more money so maybe that's in their strategy but i, I don't see comcast getting fox uh, but i do see disney getting fox and disney always as proven with lucas films and marvel disney always gets what they want if comcast actually raises the bid and ultimately does get a successful bid in there what would they do with all these properties? Because in the case of the Marvel stuff, it's incomplete and they're just going to go ahead and end up being in the same pattern as Fox was. In the case of all the TV stuff, that might make more sense as far as the TV properties that they would be getting and acquiring. That would make much more sense on that end. But you're right. Disney is just pushing hard to uh, try and acquire those properties as a whole and it, and Fox is just, at this point in time, is probably just grinning at the fact that Comcast and Fox is going to be in the middle of a bidding war. One last question on this before we head over after the break to Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games. I want to ask you this. Do you see anyone else throwing their hat into the fray? An Apple, a Netflix, some other entity that could have the kind of dollars to put in there for the Fox properties and and maybe throw a monkey wrench into this whole tit-for-tat, mano-a-mano type deal between Comcast and Disney? No, I don't think so. Like I said, like they, yeah, they've got, I'm sure Apple's got the money to do it, but they don't really have the platform right now. They don't have a production studios or any of that kind of thing. They don't really know how to handle something like that. Well, they just did get in league with Oprah Winfrey as far as creating some original content is concerned. Yeah, but I don't think they're ready for that level of content, though it would be a shame to lose an opportunity like that. And as for Amazon, I think Amazon's doing just fine on their own. You know, they got their Lord of the Rings series going into development. I think that'll do really well for them. I don't see it happening. It would be interesting to to have them enter the ring, but I just I don't see that being a thing at this point in time. If there's anyone, it could be Netflix because I don't know how they're going to be able to do it, but they just keep throwing money at everything. And Netflix could be an entity that really is like, uh, you know, 
we've got the money now or we've got the line of credit. Why don't we just throw a few more billion dollars than Disney or Comcast and see what we can get? But if anyone's going to do it, I would probably say it's them. But uh, you're right. You're right. There's that's a lot of money already at stake. And man, $71.3 billion for all those Fox properties. They really, really wanted a Disney. It tells me already. So we'll have to wait and see how this all shakes out. But the clear favorite right now is Disney. Could Comcast be coming back with another bid? We'll just have to wait and see. But it's all exciting for us pop culture fans to see where all these Fox properties are going to end up with and where these Fox properties, especially the Marvel ones, if they're going to end up at Comcast or they're going to end up back home with Disney and Marvel. What are your thoughts on the latest bid for the Fox properties? Are you excited that Disney is now back in the lead and in the running with a over $71 billion offer? Do you see Comcast coming back with their own offer to supersede that? Or do you see someone else, another entity like Amazon, Netflix, Google, or Apple coming into the fray and actually making a bid that's even larger for all these Fox properties. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. When we come back, we've got Douglas Hoibu from Retro City Games. He's going to share his thoughts on some of the things that he saw at E3 2018, including, like I said before, a secret project behind closed doors from Gearbox, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and a whole lot more. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we are back. He has survived. Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games, the leader in gaming here in Southern Nevada, as I always love to say. You had a great time at E3 2018. I know there's a lot of stuff you want to talk about, but you know, first off, how was it for you as an overall experience at E3 2018? Oh, it was amazing. Um, this is my third year going. First year in a media capacity. By far the best year I've been. Uh, it keeps getting bigger and better every year. It's more and more fun, and the more you get used to the layout and things like that, it just—it's just a fun experience. If, if you haven't been, it's definitely something you should do. If you—if you like games at all. <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is something that you should experience at least once in your lifetime. And now that it's open to the public, in well, to a certain number, of course. Yeah. But you can go ahead and pay for it in advance. They're going to start doing that every year. Maybe do a little bit more, a little bit more, have more people go. It's still a great experience. But I know there were some of the games there that, that you saw that are obviously going to be coming out very soon. But actually some as well that well were under wraps, behind closed doors. And, and your access as a member of the media seemed to garner you a little bit more access into what's coming out in the gaming scene. I, I've been there. I've been there as an industry before, and that's that's great. I've been there as just a, a regular gamer pass, you know, paying to go. That's how I went last year, and then this year, media. It allowed you to, you know, when, when you walk up to like the the big companies, when you walk up to play the new Call of Duty, when you walk up to play the new um, Destiny raid, the lines fill up very quickly. And if you're not there first, I mean, it can easily add up to a four, five, six, seven, eight hour wait sometimes. It afforded me to, to actually get to experience more games in a, in a more timely fashion than I would have in previous years. And also a few interviews behind closed doors, or lack of interviews, where some things they, they were very strict about not recording very scripted questions. Most notably Project 1v1, which was actually my biggest surprise. I went into it not knowing what it was, just like everybody. And this is from Gearbox, correct? Yeah. This, this is a project that's been behind closed doors, was only accessible for the media only. You actually were only given limited access to it, but tell me about your time with this new project, still, right, like you said, called Project 1v1. So I'll actually go back to when we first booked the appointment, because uh, you, you get the invitation to, to book an appointment, and it just said, you know, the new multiplayer shooter from Gearbox. And I was assuming, they didn't say online, they didn't say anything like that, I was assuming, oh, this is the multiplayer for Borderlands. That's honestly what I was expecting. We'd all talked about it, that, oh, it's probably something to do with Borderlands. And then 
a few hours before they, they dropped the idea of Project 1v1, very short teaser trailer, doesn't really, not a lot of content. And when I get there, it's a playable pre-alpha build, and it is an amazing game. For, for what it is right now, it's still very simple, but it's a, it's, it's a 1v1 arena-style shooter. The closest I can come to it, and people seem to like this, is a it's Quake 3 1v1. So Quake 3 Arena 1v1. It's it's fast, it's gritty, it's arcadey. You die, you jump right back in and go. The addition, though, that they made that I like is a card-based perk system. And from what I can tell, what they were saying, at this moment, they have no plans of charging for any of those those cards. You could pay for them in the future, they said, but nothing will, will be... You'll be able to earn everything in-game, including when you get kills rewarded with uh, shards of cards. So it's little metal pieces that drop, and you can actually use those to build and customize cards that you want. They only had a couple classes available. Character customization looks great, but it's just it's it's really fast paced, and I guess it has a little bit of an Overwatch vibe in in the way the in the way the specials and perks work. In the sense that it seems like for every single special you can do, there's a there's a perfect counter to it, and it's really about reading those what your enemy does. It's really about reading, oh, did they just teleport or did they do a dash? And those might seem similar, but it's, it's really different because the teleport pretty much guarantees them either the high ground or directly behind you. But there's shields and things you can use to counter that. There's shields that are specific to behind you. There's so much. I, I got a half-hour demo of it, and so I didn't get too deep into it, but by the end of it, we were just tearing each other up. It was fun. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It sounds like it's something that's going to be worth playing when it finally comes out. I hope you get another chance to go behind closed doors or actually get a better look at it Hopefully by the time maybe GameStop Expo comes out or maybe even the PlayStation Experience. Uh, hopefully we'll get to see more of that down the line. I know there were a lot of other games that you got a chance to play as well. Both you, Luis, Nicole got a chance to try out because the floor was packed with people, but it allowed you still to get a chance to go ahead and take some time and play some of the games that you really wanted to get a chance to get your hands on that are going to be coming out later this year. Uh, yeah, so most notably was a game that I thought I wasn't going to like. I played it just because I have nostalgia for the series, and that was the new Call of Duty. I was really expecting and going into it with the mindset that the last four years were not my thing. I really haven't liked one or loved one since Modern Warfare 2. I liked 3, but I knew it was full of flaws. The multiplayer has that, feels like 2 again to me. Modern Warfare 2, I know it's a Black Ops series, but it, it's slightly arcadey. They added health bars. They got rid of the jumping mechanic. It plays a little bit slower while still being fast, so it feels like you're not dying. To, it doesn't feel like it's the first person to see you kills you. You know what I mean? And that's that's the biggest problem with the last few Call of Duty's is just it's it's just that spot checking. It's oh I see you dead. You see you dead. This felt like it had a lot of tactics to it and a lot of I don't know a lot more enjoyment from a team perspective. I mean we were playing with two people we had no, no idea who we were all talking instantly and forming strategies and it just felt like old school multiplayer. The same could be said. I've never played a Destiny game more than, you know, a few minutes here and there, just jumping in, you know, demos here and there and testing stuff in store, but the the new Destiny mode Gambit was a lot of fun. I think it's a really cool way to introduce PvP and PvE and combine them into something more than what they are standalone. It's it's still not perfect. I feel like the game the gameplay is a little too simple still, and I feel like more than one enemy should be able to jump through that portal. But I felt like if you have a solid team you can kind of rush through the enemies, and it, it's just a race at that point instead of a skill-based thing. But I still really enjoyed it, and I'm actually, it makes me really excited for the new expansion and the new raids. There was another game from Exceed, Hakuna, of, of Rice and Rain, that mixes like Farming Simulator with side-scrolling action platformer, which seems like a lot of fun. I played the, the combat demo and the, the farming demo, and I'm actually pretty excited for that game. <laughs> like. More than I should be, I think. <laughs> well, I just want to stress that you did not get a chance when it comes to the Call of Duty Black Ops 4 to play the new Battle Royale mode. That was still unavailable to you, correct? You no, know, I should specify that. They, that all of the ads and everything were pushing, and, and even while you were standing in line, all the people talking, it was all talking about the, the Battle Royale mode, but it was only Domination and Hardpoint. Um, it, was more, it was more of just showing off the gunplay. It was more showing off the things they added. Things like you have to get used to, like, no rechargeable health. It's, it's a physical health check now where you actually have to duck behind cover, heal yourself. Little things like that just change the whole pace in the game. It's kind of like they said in, in the um, announcement where you know you really have to decide. It's kind of like a reload. Do I decide to keep spraying and keep shooting or do I reload right now? Same thing with health. Do I duck and cover or do I keep going? Because you're not going to get the chance to recharge. You're going to have to find cover again. 
no battle royale mode at all. Sounds like they're finally listening to the consumers, listening to the feedback, checking the numbers that they see some declining returns over the past few years, and they're finally making changes that could bring Call of Duty back into the limelight as a premier AAA video game. Well, maybe I, I wonder if that's part of the, the, you know, the lack of a campaign and all things like that, like where it might they might be focusing more resources and pushing towards the multiplayer and just you know when you're allocating all your resources and all your time to that. I would assume you get a more polished and a better experience overall. But, I mean, it's not guaranteed. But, like I said, that was the biggest surprise to me. I went into it, like I said, just going through the motions, like, oh, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to try it out. I just didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Oh, that's good. That's good. Once again, I'm here with Douglas Hoyabu. He is the owner. Well, co-owner. In fact, probably the not the main owner when you talk to his beloved Nicole right here at Retro City Games, the leader in video games here in Southern Nevada. You gotta check it out if you're in the Las Vegas area. It's Retro City Games. They do have a lot of great sales. They have a lot of great video games all over the place. They even do game nights like they've got coming up in the middle of next month, July. So if you're here in the area and you wanna check it out, just check out their Facebook page, Retro City Games, where you also see all of our videos that we have up there from E3 that you have up there and also our podcast as well. So it's Definitely greatly appreciated by us here at Pop Culture Cosmos. Actually, you did some interviews while you were there at E3, and we're going to be airing that in future episodes, so definitely looking forward to that as well. One last thing before I let you go. I want to ask, were there any disappointments, or were there any other games that stuck out to you one way or the other when you were at E3 2018? So let's start with the disappointments, because I want to end on a high note. I was actually let down by the big three quite a bit, and most people were talking to, as far as like the vibe on the show floor was, it was very underwhelming. Microsoft, I, I guess, I don't even know if they were really, you could call them at E3. Yeah, they were sense. They were pretty much down the street, correct? Well, it was kind of strange because they, they were down the street, they were about a block away at their actual Microsoft store in front of the Staples Center. The line was less than long, <laughs> I guess I could say. It was about a three minute wait to get in, it wasn't anything crazy yeah there was a longer line to get into the gear store than there was to get into that all of the the games were running off dev units which i i, I have a prediction that i think it, they weren't xbox ones i think i think we're going to see a new xbox system if not next year early early 2020 very like like spring i feel like next year is going to be a, a new system for microsoft just the vibe i got that they weren't really pushing anything they weren't they're pushing more of the qled stuff than they were pushing the xbox one x at all Nintendo, I feel like the port of Smash, which I think their shareholders kind of agreed, didn't seem that exciting. I mean, in previous years, you know, the first year I was there, Breath of the Wild was an eight-hour wait to play. You know, last year, Mario Odyssey had hundreds of people online all day. It was a couple hours to get into that game. And then this year, you could have walked up and played Smash in 20 or 30 minutes. The, the lines, I mean, they were, they were scheduled, but the, the standby line was not there. And same could be said about Sony. The, the only games they had playable really were, were Destiny and, and Call of Duty and then Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was being pushed, but it, it's a game that's coming out very shortly. It's not showing me you know, anything that's coming out in the future. It's, it's a game of, if you're going to pre-order it, you probably already pre-ordered it. It'd be exciting to see it hands-on, but they really, really, it seemed like we're pushing more VR than anything. There were about 13 games like playable for VR, which was kind of weird. Actually, i go back to Nintendo real quick. There, there was one thing, there's an arcade game. Killer Queen, the, if anyone knows the history of that, there was only 12 released. And it's an eight-player arcade game, and that's coming to Switch. I think it's Killer Queen Black. That might be the title. I, I could be wrong. But that looks super exciting. That's the first time I've really been like, oh, man, I want to Switch for that. But, yeah, the, the big three, like, they all kind of... It felt underwhelming. It just... I didn't feel like there was anything to keep you at that booth and keep you talking about at any of them. Things I did like. I did get a chance to play the... Um, I butcher the name. I think it's Disserine, the new From Software. It's the guy who made a Bloodborne and the Dark Souls series uh, is doing a VR game. And instead of being combat focused, it's all about stealing time from objects. The whole game is about exploring this creepy kind of very atmospheric mansion and, and its grounds while controlling and moving time around these people. But yeah, that was probably one of the biggest surprises. And my biggest surprise was actually, and I won't go into too much detail because I have a full interview with the creator, but the, it was a piece of hardware, the, uh, the Polymega system, blew me away. Of all the clone systems out there, it shouldn't have come to fruition, it shouldn't be as good as it is, and they shouldn't have been able to deliver on all the promises that they made, but it's delivered on every one. I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd how good that system is. But that was probably my biggest, my biggest surprise of the show. 
As always, my friend, it's great talking to you. One of these days we've got to sit down and talk again about VR because, you know, that's something that, <laughs> that you and I go back and forth on is, is, is VR. You have a lot more high hopes on it than I do, and definitely we've got to sit down and talk about it. Now that it's two, what, two and a half years as far as the market is concerned. So uh, Prices come down considerably, too. I just, I just saw, what was it yesterday in a GameStop, uh, the headset with the camera and Doom marked down to $199.99. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know what the future holds for it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it, and we'll go back and forth, because you and I share different opinions on that, which is good, which yeah. is good, because we respect each other's opinions on it. But I'm glad to see, it for all three of you, Luis, the actual owner of Retro City Games, Nicole, and, of course, you, Doug, as well. No, I'm just kidding. They're both co-owners. But I'm glad to see all three of you had a great time at E3 2018 and continue success for you here at the store, right here at Retro City Games, the leader of video games right here in Southern Nevada. As always, thanks for having me, Gerald. You got it. It's always great to have you a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. want to thank Rob McCallum from Rob McCallum Films for stopping by to talk some inspiring Lando Calrissian. Plus also as well, want to thank Douglas Hoyabu from Retro City Games sharing his thoughts on E3 2018. Josh, before we head on out, I got to ask you real quick. Have you been seeing the news as far as all these theaters just trying to vie for the same space as MoviePass? They're now saying, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. But they're not really quite doing that because the deals that are going down are not quite as sweet as what MoviePass is trying to offer. With AMC thing, it's like from what I read about, it's like twice, two or three times the price and you get less for your money. You know, they should just get on board with MoviePass. I don't know why. Like, because honestly, at this point, like you have subscription services that have such great content that people are going to be going to the movie theaters less and less. And everyone's like, hey, we got recliners, we got beer, we got wine. It, you know, you go to have you have you seen the price of a movie theater beer? <laughs> yeah, we have a few here in town and it's incredibly high. We, when I think the concessions are bad and then I see the prices for the beer and the wine, exceeding ten dollars that's just ridiculous and i want to start off by saying yes amc is trying to compete with movie pass with their own deal but twenty dollars a month which is more expensive for than movie pass for only three movies is not exactly a great deal in my estimation another one that makes you got to listen to this one my friend cinemark they have one at nine bucks a month and it offers one get this Awesome 2D ticket to any movie you want per month. That's one whole movie a month. If you don't use it, unused tickets will roll over to the next month. So you know what? That could mean a whopping two movies in one month, but you'll have to skip a month in order to get that. Plus a whole whopping 20% discount on overpriced concessions. How does that deal sound to you, my friend? Like garbage. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why would they even bother doing that? Like that doesn't even make sense. It's just that's not even a good marketing idea. I don't know. Jeez. Oh, wow. Okay. With movie ticket prices and the prices of concessions and all that, and just all all the great content coming out on these streaming services, I think that movie theaters have a high probability of becoming a thing of the past within the next 10, 15 years. Well, MoviePass makes a lot of its money from third-party advertising and saying, well, if you really like Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, you're going to love this from, let's say, uh, for random type of deal, Hot Topic or or this at JCPenney or something like that that's related to the film and whatnot. I'm cool with getting that third-party advertising if it means a great deal, which I think these other deals that you were talking about both you and i have got to embrace in order if they want to be able to sustain and compete with movie pass long term what are your thoughts on movie pass and the competitors to movie pass 
Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Manica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? None that I can think of at the moment. I did watch Pacific Rim, and it was pretty bad, but still sort of entertaining. But we could talk about that later. I actually saw two about two weeks ago, Pacific Rim Uprising. I also saw Tomb Raider. I've caught up with most of the major films that have come out this year. We truly appreciate you hanging out with us one more time and look forward to giving you an update on Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, an update on the Star Wars Anthology series, and so much more on our Monday Pop Culture Cosmos program. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.